Up A Go for June 6th, 2023. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in 15 minutes per week. On the spot, we're never taking up more time. Never. I'm your host, Shai Nechmat. And I'm your host, Jonathan Hall. And this show is sponsored by Koyab, a developer-friendly serverless platform that helps you deploy your apps globally. Stick around to the ad break to hear more about them, and even after the ad break, for an interview with their CEO, Jan. Yeah, good interview. Thanks, Koyab. All right, what's up, Jonathan? Right off the bat, new Go releases out any moment now. I keep hitting the refresh button. Oh, is by that the why you... the call keeps reading? <laughs> by the time you read, listen to this, uh, almost certainly Go 1.20.5 and 1.19.10 will have been released. There are security releases. We don't know what's in them yet. Next week, we'll know. So on the next episode, we'll tell you what's in those releases that you already have in front of you by the time you hear us speaking right now. Yeah, definitely really happy to keep seeing these, uh, you know, small patch security releases, um, even though we're working on 121. You know, they're not bucketing mm-hmm. them into the next version. They're still maintaining yep. the current ones, you know, keeping the project lifecycle promise, which is super awesome. Thanks to the researchers who found it. Yes. Let's talk about proposals. And boy, do we have a few. We sure um, do. So first one is Go templates. I love Go templates because I use them in my Hugo site. Me too. Which is also a good place to mention that we're <laughs> going to talk about the recent Hugo releases, which pissed me off, but that's later. So uh, templates added a feature that was, in my opinion, severely missing. I always had to hack around around it, which is elding uh, else with. Text template has a thing where you can do if, an else if, an and, right? And that's mm-hmm. a really useful way to simplify how if-else chains look and just do a ton of conditions around templating with conditions. Like if I want this to include that thing, include it, else don't include it. But there wasn't any counterpart for with, which is something I always use in my pipelines because it helps me scope down the, the variables I'm using for templating. Mm-hmm. This proposal, uh, which has been accepted, it's been on our backlog for a while, and we never got to talk about it, which yeah. is great because now it's accepted, so we can talk about it as accepted. Just adds all these cases uh, with a ton of you know caveats and discussion around it. That's pretty interesting. Not not too many comments, but very deep comments. And yeah, it was added to the proposals uh, meeting about three weeks ago. Got accepted last week. Um, so definitely go Super check it cool. out if you're using templating and if you, like me, hacked your way around it with really bad looking templates, be sure to add the, you know, refactoring to your, uh, backlog because uh, the new templates are going to look beautiful with this, uh, else for with thing. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it also. What other proposals do we have on the table? Yeah. Next up, we have a couple that are not accepted yet, but they're, I mean, the first one is officially in likely accept status, and that is to add a new rule to GoVet to warn you when you call time.sense in a defer statement. Uh, basically, they discovered hundreds of cases where this is being done incorrectly. And the thing is that time.sense is, depending on how you invoke it, but if you invoke it, for example, in a fmt.printf, which is a common use um, to show how long it took for the function to execute. That time.sense is actually called at the time the defer is invoked, not later when it's executed. So you're actually going to outputting took zero seconds all the time to, to execute these statements. 
So it's just a very common anti-pattern, easy bug. So the proposal is to add that to the to GoVet, so it'll warn you. And uh, I'm, I'm sure this will be accepted. I mean, it, unless For unless somebody comes up with some analysis, right? Yeah, <laughs> unless somebody comes up with some really surprising reason that this would uh, cause a problem, this will be accepted soon. Yeah, I've been uh, shot in the foot, but this uh, very specific foot gun already. Yeah, so I'm happy to see it uh, in GoVet. And then next on the list, um, another one, new proposal, I expect it will also be accepted, uh, probably has a little more discussion around it, is the idea to add a generic nullable type to the database SQL package. You may already be familiar with, uh, I think they have null string and maybe null bool, and they have several of these. But the idea is to make, now that we have generics, why not just create a single one uh, that can be null bracket T that represents any nullable type? So that's the discussion. Um, of course, there's a lot of nuance that goes on into something like that, uh, which is probably why it hasn't been done yet. The The thing that worries me the most is you have the type-specific things and in your head. You map them to the type-specific things in the database. Mm-hmm. Very few databases actually support generic columns, right? You define your table, you have a strong schema, and end of the day, many times that's what you want, especially if you're using like Postgres or Relative you want the strong schema. And then translating it to generic and then back, I'm just worried that it's going to make everything a bit less comfortable, less ergonomic mm-hmm. to use, um, even though it's going to be shorter. It's going to be less lines of code. It's going to be less uh, characters. But I'm afraid it's going to make static analysis and perhaps code review a bit more obscure. So like any generic proposal, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure it will be accepted. And even if accepted, I'm not sure how many people are going to enjoy using it. Yeah. But if you have any specific examples, if you use database SQL or, you know, anything that uses that, like bun uptrace or any other like SQL uh, ORM thingy that's uh, database SQL compliant, Go contribute to this discussion. I'm sure that you know the, your specific example from your specific company is interesting. Looks like there's already quick implementation because it's simple. It's just generics and not a bunch of up votes. So people mm-hmm. are behind this. Maybe I'm just an an old scared guy who's scared of uh, <laughs> of generics, right? Everybody becomes one eventually. <laughs> um, well, let me know when you pass that uh, threshold. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some releases, right? Yeah. Can I start with my complaints? Okay, tell me Hugo, you broke my template. What? Last last week we talked about Hugo and we poked some fun that they released a bunch of uh, patch fixes, uh, like seven pack, patch fixes. But even the base change broke my template. Now, this is my fault because I was using the site parameters incorrectly and it was very easy mm-hmm. to fix. So uh, no no harm, no foul. But it, it just really tickled my funny bone that we <laughs> talked about the releases uh, so much. And uh, then they broke my site. And then they released another like minor version. So 0.113 is out uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Hugo just coming out with a whole bunch of releases. I think almost every week uh, or every two weeks recently. The big new feature this time is that you can now run... The Hugo server with HTTPS mode. Yeah, I don't know who does that, but I guess if you ever wanted to run the Hugo server in production, now it can manage your certificates for you. So for me, it's like it's useful because I'm running my CTF, like a challenge Uh uh, from Hugo, like the levels. And Uh some of the levels refer to the site. And when I'm developing locally, I have to like change the, you know, base URL to HTTP instead of HTTP, Mm. just changing the host. 
right? Now I could do like Hugo Server Trust, which also I really like that command, right? It, it sounds nice. Hugo <laughs> Server Trust. <laughs> it's almost it has a marketing ish quality to it, yeah. right? Hugo Server, you can put your insurance with us. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Hugo Insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Hugo Server will never let you down. <laughs> if your Hugo Server runs for more than four hours, consult your DevOps guy. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, uh, TLS support for Hugo Server. If that's uh, useful to you. It's obviously useful for someone because they developed it. If that's useful for you, update. And then make sure your site works. Mm-hmm. What else has been released? Earlier this week, uh, SPF 13's Viper was updated with version 1.16. I would just call this a grab bag of bug fixes and uh, nice quality of life fixes. I mean, they updated to one. Go 120 in the build matrix. It's not a big deal. Um, they added some logging changes. Um, nothing really exciting in my view that just jumps out. I, I guess maybe the, the closest thing to there is they support sub-parent inheritance. And I don't know exactly what that means. I mean, I can figure out, like, if I think about it, um, I don't think I've ever needed that because I certainly haven't missed it when I've used Viper. But yeah, check it out. New version of Viper. It's a very popular package. It's one of the, like, top 20 most popular Go packages, I think, in the world. So I imagine a lot of people will be updating this within the next few weeks. And talking about, you know, popular packages, Golang CI Lint is also out, um, which is great. They added a bunch of linters, which is already, like, they added one linter called Zero Log Lint and some Tag Align linter. So two great linters, which I've added, you know, manually to my some of my projects, specifically... Zero log lint is pretty funny. Zero log is zero location logger, which a lot of projects want to use because it's a fast logging like logging framework. I think it's the fastest. I'm careful with my statement because yeah. in Go it always seems like someone can do it faster. Right. But it is fast. And because it's zero location and very very fast, it doesn't have a lot of guardrails. That's like the trade-off. If you're using something like Zap or or GoKit loggers, Everything can be checked at compile time and everything is fine. With zero log, you can sometimes forget to just log the thing that you worked hard with. You know, you did like dot info, dot whatever. And in the end, you end up not logging the thing just because you didn't call dot message or dot send or dot dispatch or whatever. Uh, so this linter catches that, which I think is really, uh, it's a great static analysis guardrail around uh, a really strong trade off. Like you don't want these things. It's part of the library because you want it to be super fast and with zero allocation, so you can't check it at compile time. But you know, Go, Golang CI Lint has become part of the pipeline for almost any project. So I think it's it's a really good trade-off uh, for the fast, uh, you know, the fast logging you get, uh, and also a bunch of uh, dependency bumping and, and migrations and features and and. Gosmopolitan linter, which I'm okay. <laughs> I looked at that one for a while. I don't like I didn't it. Use it. So I have a complaint. Uh, it's my turn to complain. You complain about Hugo. I have a complaint about Golang CLint 153, and that is that they bumped the Go Dep Guard to a new major version, which broke my entire linting cap- uh, capabilities. Suddenly, every file was giving hundreds of errors, and it turns out it's not a big deal. But it turns out that the the default configuration for Go Dep Guard has completely changed, and so you have to go in and change your configuration format for that. Um, in my case, I actually just disabled it for the moment, and I'll reconfigure it later. For the moment, for the moment, this is where the you know the, the narrator 
He did not. <laughs> the moment lasted for eternity. Yeah. We, we all have that one linter that got away, right? Yeah. It's like right. a Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> Chasing Golan. <laughs> Starring Matt Damon. Anyways, um, it broke it, but it gave you so much more benefit over the years. So we'll forgive it, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll we like you, uh, Golangsi Island. Uh, and last on the release, uh, like at least interesting releases for this week. Yeah. Um, sorry, every other project is <laughs> Burnt Sushi slash Tamo, uh, my favorite configuration format by a country mile. It's my second favorite after en- environment variables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you just went over the line of oh, I don't like new things. I'm an old. <laughs> yeah, you went over the line. But I like Tamo, and uh, so yeah, uh, Burnt Sushi Tamo version one point three point zero and. Point one were both released uh, this last week. Um, the big feature is they added support for Tommel 1.1, which is the upcoming Tommel spec. It adds new capabilities. Um, so you can enable that with an environment variable uh, if you want to start experimenting with a new Tommel spec. Um, a big shout out to my former colleague who was apparently the maintainer of this project, uh, Martin. He's, he's the one who released this. I didn't realize he was doing this. So big shout out to Martin if you're listening. Thanks for your work on Burnt Sushi's Tommel. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's pretty cool uh, release with a pretty cool uh, changelog because when you look at it, it's like you can use Unicode in bare keys um, with like weird A's and weird E's. And that means I could use Hebrew in my uh, configuration uh, documents, which for me isn't a great feature. Uh, But (laughs) when I teach, many times I teach people, uh, you know, in Israel, their English is not their first language. Sometimes their English is not that great. Mm-hmm. And very complicated, you know, nested uh, tables within configuration are hard enough to, you know, mentally hold in your head. Um, and if you do it in your second language, it's even harder. So now I can do it in Hebrew, which is a, a super cool feature for that tiny specific use case. Um, although I'd hate to see configurations use anything other than ASCII, you know, things for keys in reality, like in production. So these are all the releases we found interesting this week. Like every week, we have a bunch of uh, ones we had to leave out. And we also have a bunch of community things that we had to leave out. But I had to mention this one blog post from Flow.com where they talked about uh, improving the observability of, and you know they specifically talked about performance of Golang services. And unlike some cases where they talk about, oh, we had this super specific thing happen to us and this is the, you know, how we fixed it. They go really over all the three pillars of observability, logs, metrics, traces, profiles, and how all of them can talk together. So you know how people are silver bullet. All you have to do is add traces and turn on that this Grafana dashboard or this whatever and you're good. You know everything. And that's never the case, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need logging. Sometimes you need metrics. Sometimes you need traces. And sometimes you need profiles. And what I've found usually happens in projects is that people sort of develop these things separately, even if it's a part of a general push towards observability, right? And they don't talk to one another. Like there are separate dashboards for each one. And you have to jump between – you have like four tabs open, right? Um one for metrics, one for logs, one for traces, and one for Slack, where you're like, oh, don't worry, I'm looking at it. Don't worry, don't worry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and I really like this blog post because they talk about how you can connect all these uh, pillars to one another very concretely. It's not like high level, whatever, screenshots, configurations, um, everything you need. 
recommendations of tools. And it's not even that long a read. So I really recommend checking it out, especially if you're doing this push at your company or your project right now. And the appendix is also pretty weird. The appendix has an AI-driven blog post editor note that was left, I guess, by ChatGPT or whatever they used. I think they used the Vinci model or whatever, where they say, use AI to edit this your blog post. And here's the prompt we used. So if you're a technical writer or you have some blog posts or you have some content or you have a newsletter like people we've interviewed or you have uh, courses like people we've interviewed, maybe you can take this prompt, um, you know, to edit your blog post and get them out faster. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, found, I read it and it, it read really, really well. And then I read the appendix and I was like, at least you're admitting it because yeah. everybody's running their content through AI right now. It's not like anybody's not doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least they gave the note and they even gave the prompt, which was super cool to see. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps up for the news. 15 minutes on the dot, plus <laughs> or minus a, a really big dot. <laughs> yeah. Stick around for our great interview with Gan from Koyab. See ya. Welcome to our ad break. Cup of Go is partners with and sponsored by Koyeb, a developer-friendly serverless platform to deploy apps globally. No apps, servers, or infrastructure management. Like we called it the last episode, Tanier DevOps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm running a client project there. Uh, everybody, maybe lower your volumes if you're listening in the office. It's a Python workload. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, but even <laughs> for Python... Even for this horrible framework, it works really, really fast. I specifically use it to, you know, host my API that has like a, a chat GPT thing behind it, like an agent that I'm developing. Uh, but it can be used for a bunch of stuff. Web applications, event-driven serverless functions, background workers, and even cron jobs. Um, and it's been built by some very interesting people like Jan who we talked to, and you're going to hear the interview with him pretty soon. How much are you paying for, for your Koyab right now? Um, nothing. I'm using nothing. it for free uh, since I'm still using just one workload. Uh, it's just a POC. But honestly, I'd be happy to use it. Uh, I showed yeah. it to the client. I showed, gave them the specs, and they were like, yeah, I'm really happy to pay for it. And you know, if they don't have what you need right now, you can go to the roadmap page and just upvote. They're very public and, you know, user-facing about it. I just upvoted a bunch of stuff that you're going to hear about in the interview. Sort of <laughs> abused my power as the media to push my agenda uh, uh, and add... Uh, he admitted. I relish in it. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that, you know, one day a proposal is going to be as heard on Cup of Go. Uh-huh. We have to add, uh, you know... <laughs> well, I don't want to give out my feature that I would add to Go. But okay. that okay. thing. So anyways... Check out uh, Koyab. You can get a custom URL running in seconds. It's really, really easy, uh, especially if you have a simple Go project in uh, GitHub repo. An overall great onboarding experience. Thanks, Koyab, for sponsoring this show. What else should we talk about? Yeah, speaking of you throwing your weight around, I, I understand you're uh, starting a new job and we're going to switch our recording day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm starting. <laughs> I'm working out, man. I'm trying. <laughs> I've just been back from a wedding. It's not. It's just a... Uh, it's, you know, appetizers fast. You've been it's, partying for a week. You come back here and like, things are my way now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's my way or the highway. Same as GoPath. 
Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm starting a full-time job. I'm super hyped about it. We're probably going to talk about how I feel about it and how it impacts my view of Go um, in the upcoming episodes. But the recording is going to move to the weekends because I'm working. I'm fully committed. I'm hyped. I really want to crush this. Um, so we're moving to Fridays. That's me. That means you're going to last next week without us until the end of the week. We're going to miss a few days. Uh, maybe the episode will be a bit longer just to make up for the few days mm. we missed. And starting next Friday, we're going to try to do Fridays for the recording. Yeah. Yep. So hope that doesn't mess, mess anybody up, up too yeah, much. Your to Monday have a drive or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I hope that doesn't mess up your Monday morning drive. You can always wait till the next Monday to listen if you want to. Um, the news will be three days old by that point. But you know, if that if that's what you need for your Monday morning, then I understand. Yeah, but it's it's only uh, one business day, right? Only one business day. So it's it's fine. And by the way, apologies for this episode coming out late. As, as Shai just mentioned, he was at a wedding, and that's why we didn't record yesterday. And we forgot to announce that until after the episode was live. So sorry about that. But hopefully this, this day and a half so delay won't cramp your style too much. Shout out to the beautiful Gabriel and Romy who got married in a beautiful wedding in Rome. Wow. I love you guys. Um, lastly, uh, check out what I have here. Yay. It's, it's a, a cup. cup. Of go. Cup of go. <laughs> yeah. It smells pretty good as well right now. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, it's uh, with vanilla milk. Ooh. I, I like you said, I'm throwing my weight around. So I'm adding more with this uh, sugary drink. Uh, but yeah, go get your show swag. We have some beautiful people uh, with some beautiful selfies uh, and majestic beards uh, yeah. showing up on our Slack and sharing their uh, their enjoyment of the cups. Nobody's died of uh, like I don't know lead color poisoning yet, so they seem to be safe. Yep, I've been drinking out of them nonstop, uh, and you can check them out at store. Dot cupogo dot dev. And you don't need a beard. Beards are cool, but beardless people are also welcome to listen and send mm-hmm. selfies. That's perfectly acceptable. We accept all, uh, any and all uh, nullable T hair types and, uh, <laughs> and shape faces and whatever. We're very opinionated about Go and coffee, but everything else is fair game. So yeah. Also, we'd love to hear uh, if you have any feedback about the show. Uh, you can find us on the Cupago slack channel cup of go kebab case on the go for slack you can email us at news at cup or head over to cup on the web and you can find our details there um contact details social media profiles all those fun things we'd love to hear from you leave a review uh, especially if you like the show but even if you don't you can leave a review on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts thanks a lot uh stick around because we're gonna talk to jan from koyeb the ceo talking to big CEO, shots co-founder head honcho yeah <laughs> he's the guy Thanks a lot. Can I kick it off? Please. Wow, I'm tired from that ad break. And I'm, I'm, I even have my coffee here and everything. But I'm just, I'm beat, you know, because deploying software is so hard and I do so much of it. Yeah. I wish someone was here to help me deploy stuff super fast. That would be great. Oh, wait. Hi. Yeah. Hey, Jan. Hey, guys. <laughs> I wonder how many times we can do this gag before we need to find a different segue. <laughs> but hi, Jan. Welcome to uh, our show. Everybody say hi to Jan. Uh, don't actually, because you're on a bus listening to a podcast, and that'll be really awkward. Jan, how about you tell us about yourself? 
Yeah, thanks for for having me. Um, I'm happy to be here today with you guys. Um, I'm so I'm the co-founder and CEO uh, of Koyeb, um, and um, we've been working on on this for a little while now. We've started with this version of the platform two years ago, um, and um, yeah, we have a passion for um, uh-huh. cloud infrastructure. I would say. Uh, overall, and we've been in in, a, in the go space for a little while because, like, our previous company um, was the main stack was in in Python, but at some point in 2015 we started adding GoLang in the mix, um, and um, yeah, and when we decided to go uh, um, to build Koyeb, uh the go-to language was Go. So that's a bit of the story. Well, to anyone who doesn't know, uh, Koyeb is our partner, the show's uh, partner and sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, they use Go in the back end, which hopefully we can dive deep even more. Uh, I love to hear that you moved from Python, uh, same mm-hmm. like uh, Dropbox did. Uh, and uh, secret, same thing I'm hoping to do in my uh, next gig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but before that, one thing I'd like to ask, what is Koyeb? What does it mean? What does it mean? So, I mean, as a company, uh, we basically let people, developers and businesses deploy applications. Um, we, um, take a, a repository, uh, in actually a lot of different languages. And, and since recently, you can even have a Docker file in your repository and we will build the application and transform it into a container and run it on inside of micro VMs on top of our servers. So basically we take care of all the infrastructure management and the build process too. So you can easily deploy your application without having to think about the infrastructure. And um, yeah, we have a bunch of, of cool features like deploying across the world, this kind of stuff. Um, and um, yeah, that's a key uh, thing we are doing, I would say. Cool. And what does the word Koyab actually mean? That's a, a, a fun story, but uh, it's actually, uh, so it doesn't mean much, in fact, in the sense that it's, um, we needed a, a name to incorporate a company. Uh, and uh, so the third last letters, uh, Y-E-B, are our first um, name, first letters. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Jan, Edward and Bastian. Uh, we are three co-founders, and at some point, Edward added into the mix the co, which landed into Koyeb, where the dot com was available, and um, it was pretty convenient. So, uh, but uh, yeah, that's the story of how we figured out the name. Uh, we wanted something short. And cool. it's like, so, uh, you already described uh, the high level what Koyeb does. Um, can you help uh, plant it in my mind and our listeners' minds, like? It, who are its main competitors? Or like, is it a replacement for Kubernetes? Is it a replacement for, uh, you know, wh- when would I use Koyab instead of something else? So it's a fair question. Um, Kubernetes. So we are basically looking to. Um, we are believers that Kubernetes is going to disappear in favor of higher level products. Uh, that's a, a bit of what we are advocating for. Um, and um, we tend to compete with like legacy players like Heroku. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, who didn't really adapt to the changes in the market. So they didn't really add up everything you would expect today in terms of new kind of features like service mesh or this kind of, of things. Um, and in terms of performance, you're not there either. So we're 
competing with us, legacy players on one hand, and on the other hand, on the Kubernetes side, we are huge believers that basically Kubernetes is going to be eaten by higher level features. And even if it sticks, uh, it's going to be managed mostly by um, service providers like yeah. us. Okay. Um, nice. So, yeah, we're trying to make sure that you don't need to mess with it and that you have something easier to use. That's our, our value proposition. I'm curious to hear, if you don't mind, if we could sort of take the covers off a little bit. What does Koyeb look like underneath, since we're all software developers here? Are you able to talk about the architecture a little bit and, and how the system works? Yeah. So basically, we rely on a bunch of open source technologies, which are actually mostly written in Go. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons we actually went with Go, um, because we're relying on... So right now, we are using, um, on the orchestration side, Nomad for, to basically orchestrate customer workloads. Um, so, which is from, if you're not familiar with it, it's like, uh, an alternative kind of, of Ashicorp, of, uh, Kubernetes, sorry, made by Ashicorp. And the key asset from Nomad is that it's, it's more loosely coupled. So you don't have a, so the ecosystem is, uh, you don't have to take everything which comes with Kubernetes. So you have more flexibility into assembling different technologies. So we use Firecracker for the micro VMs, uh, which is uh, an alternative uh, KVM for virtual machines, but lighter, so that you have faster boots. Container D, which is actually running the containers inside of the Firecracker micro VMs. And on the networking side, we are using Kuma, which is orchestrating Envoy proxies and sidecars for the networking right. side. Cool. So a question between micro VMs and containers, because you said... First of all, you said, I'm hoping Kubernetes will disappear. And I don't know, pretty much half our audience just threw their phones out the window because <laughs> the, their entire career rests upon uh, configuring these YAML files. But uh, I'm there with you. It's annoying. But um, when you choose containers, your, I guess, security is between app, right? But I'm still sharing the same kernel. From my understanding... Micro VMs offer even stronger isolation, right? Because they're basically running uh, their own virtual machine. Did you do it because of the quicker startup times? Or do you think security is something that your clients actually care about? Yeah, I mean, so you have, a, as you said, you have a few different models uh, in terms of customer workload isolation. So you have this like before... Uh, I would say like five years ago, you probably had like the two classical models, which are containers, uh, which are, I mean, internal virtualization with C groups um, and um, full-fledged virtual machines where KVM basically won the, the race. If you look at bit before, there was Glenn, but it's kind of, uh, it's appearing in, in favor of KVM. And so when we started, we had, uh, we are deploying containers because so when you deploy an application, we built it into a container. And we can also support basically running full containers. So we had the two options. We could use like C groups and more classical containers, or we could use full VMs. Oh, and there is actually alternatives. We started actually with GVisor, um, if you're familiar with it, which is an application kernel. Um, and we shifted to Firecracker micro VMs because they are basically, they increase like the isolation you have without like a, a net in terms of performance. So that's the core story here. We don't want to compromise on security uh, because several customers are going to share the same physical machine and we are also trying to not compromise on performance. So that's the best solution we've found, I would say. Cool. How big is your team? We're actually 
13 people full time okay. uh, these days. Uh, wow, yeah. a micro team, not just a micro VM. <laughs> That's impressive. And we're actually even smaller in terms of engineering. We're seven people in terms of engineering only, uh, full time engineering. Um, and uh, so we have some because we were we are growing. Uh, so uh, we had some people on the other functions hiring side we have mm-hmm. some full-time technical writers so um yeah i'm curious to hear if you don't mind um what gave you the idea to do this i mean you already mentioned heroku and there's others that have existed for a while you've talked a little bit about your unique um you know your unique positioning but what gave you the idea for this uh as, as a founder yeah where did the idea come from what was the driving force for starting a new uh, new company rather than using existing service or or adapting Kubernetes or whatever. So we have a, a long story in um, in cloud infrastructure, I would say. Um, I mean, I've started like uh, building, I started my career uh, in uh, um, initially by building cloud service provider. I built the first one, which is called Outscale, which was um, an alternative to AWS in 2011. Then I built another one, which is called Scaleway, which we spent six years building before starting Koyeb. And it's Scaleway is actually like the second largest cloud service provider in France and yeah, one of the top five in Europe. So I think we have, uh, uh, it's fair to say that we have a, a long history in there and we mm-hmm. like this space. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, and um, when we left, so we didn't directly go in, in with this ID. Um, but um, we were looking at actually um, exploring our own multi-cloud storage. That was our first thought. And then we basically looked back into simplifying um, application deployment. Mm-hmm. It was just like it's what people were coming to us uh, uh, for. Um, they were asking uh, for this. We had a, a service engine uh, actually in the first version of the product, which was about like processing data. And um, but um People were coming with more classical workloads like API developments, deployments. Sorry, um, and um, yeah, and we we moved to to this. I would say because of the what the feedback we got and looking at the market, there was no. I mean, yeah, you have the main players, and uh, but there is no real solution which is compelling in terms of having a simple experience to deploy. And also deploying globally. I mean, so one of the key things today, we have two locations live, but the end game for us is to have 10 locations uh, shortly and then like grow to 25. So that basically you click um, a few uh, checkboxes or you do an API call with the right parameters um, and your app is live in, in 20 locations. So that's the end game for us. I'm currently, my thing is deployed in Frankfurt. Uh, which I guess is closest to where I'm at, which is nice. It responds fast, but also because my code did fast, not just because your infrastructure is fast. Yeah, I'm sure about it. <laughs> it's Python, so I'm not too happy about it, but it's not yeah. my decision. It's a client project. Um, one thing I want to ask about is the roadmap. So you have a ton of stuff set up already with a seven-person team, which is just, again, super impressive. But I see in the planned roadmap, like stuff that's... Uh, coming in the future, very interesting requests, resource usage, suspending accounts, a managed pros- like Postgres instance, which I, I'm upvoting because I really mm-hmm. want it to happen. Um, what feature do you want to actually prioritize? You're the CEO, so I guess 
maybe don't commit too much because if you say it, the team's going to actually do it. But, you know, what's the magical feature that's lying at the bottom of the backlog? You're never going to get to it, but you really want it in. So we're heavily um, working on, on this question of, of the managed, managed Postgres database right now um, and because it's one of the key requirements you have when you deploy applications like um, if you deploy a going a Python app and you don't have any way to store your data, it's kind of a pain. So, um, yeah, that's a key thing we are trying to push. And uh, But we have a lot of fun features related to that uh, about like storing the data. I mean, uh, to uh, provide managed Postgres, the key question is how do you, uh, what's happening behind the scene? What is the... Uh, you have block storage. How does your block storage work? Can you give that also to the users? And do you support TCP connection, direct TCP connections to the machines? Um, so we have a lot of uh, fun tech stuff around that to do right now. And um, I mean, uh, we really want to uh, uh, deliver like the, the next locations quickly over the summer. Um, so yeah, that's what we have in mind right now. Um, that's top of the list, I would say. And then we have also collaboration features, which are uh, going to come uh, sooner than later, like preview environments, so that if you uh, uh, want to have several like environments for your new app, uh, development environment, staging environments, uh, today you can easily do it. You just create several apps on the platform, but so that it's every time you create a branch, you can have something which is mapped to this. So that's what's coming up next, I would say what we have in mind. And we have also a bunch of like stuff around the experience. We're trying to make sure that all the glitch uh, you might have um, smoothened. So uh, we're not completely satisfied with the CLI, for instance, and we are trying to get it like it's working fine, but we want to make it outstanding. Um, so that's something which the team is uh, going to work on uh, uh, in uh, actually this month, probably. So... So lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the top of the iceberg, what you see. <laughs> but uh, a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I would like to talk about the price. Because, I mean, obviously, we're, we're hoping that some of our listeners will, will want to use your service. Um, and you have a free, uh, a free plan. How free is that? Because, you know, that's, that's all, there's always a big asterisk next to free. Talk about how free free is on your plan here. Yeah, uh, so it's a, a good question, and that's a tough one because it's uh it's um, in our industry it's a bit of a headache in a way because we love to give like a free plan and a free tier, uh, but um, um, we have an industry which is um, attracting abusers and frauds. Mm -hmm. So that's another topic, but uh, that's a, a whole topic in itself. Uh, to the point of your question, we offer like right now we offer a. Uh, free tier which is like 5.5 dollars of free credit every month so uh, you can deploy two nano services for free um which are forever running so and uh or a larger service if you want to and a nano service so i'm just looking at your, your table here it shows one cpu 256 megs of ram and 2.5 gigabyte ssd storage so you can run two of those for free forever. Is that is that right? That's correct. That's pretty impressive. I could run my entire website on your service without ever paying a, a thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think you can run a lot, a lot of things, and it can actually be workers, or and it's not like cheap hardware behind the scene. It's like you have yeah. and real SSDs and um, um, epic CPUs, which are more performance than what you get with the main cloud service provider. So that's impressive. And on the 
metrics side, you talked a lot about the experience. Usually when I have a free thing, I want to make sure that it's uh, it stays free. I don't get an accidental bill at the end of the month. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah, for anyone who's used, uh, I don't want to name names, but a certain logging company with a certain purple dog as the <laughs> as their logo. You know, you you wake up at the <laughs> beginning of the month and you're like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> there is a lot of metrics already, like service level, like how much CPU I've used, how much memory I've used, what's the response time, what's the throughput, which are, is already impressive. It's using eBPF behind the scenes, by the way. How do you get all these numbers? It's actually using Kuma and Envoy. So every time you you're deploying um, an, an application, um, the phase your application is going to go through is a, a build phase. So we'll uh, uh, launch micro VMs to build your application and uh, build the container, push it to a registry, uh, pull it for, on your behalf, and then we'll spawn a micro VM and your micro VM is going to have a sidecar, which is an Envoy proxy. And that's where we fetch the metric. And actually, um, yeah, the metrics you get fetched at the load balancing layer by our on, on the Envoy proxies. Cool. And if I set up too many services and whatever, it will tell me, right? Oh, you, you're exceeding your free trial. Careful. We, we, we just released like something, uh, with a good visualization on top. So you have a, a, at the top, you have a green display, which is telling you exactly where you stand. Uh, if something, uh, um, if you are exceeding your, uh, free tier or not. And one thing that's on the roadmap and I also upvoted, I'm sorry, I'm using this show to push all the features I'm, <laughs> I've, uh, upvoted, uh, is the spending limits. Because my clients are like, I'm really okay with you deploying on Koyab. That's great. Um, but please make sure that you don't exceed your own budget of whatever. So I know that it's already in the roadmap. So I, I upvoted it I here on air as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. It's, a, it's always a sensitive subject. Like uh, uh, with, where you, when you can easily scale, I mean, uh, uh, you can also have bad surprises. So um, we are just, we are fresh with the billing. So uh, it's, it's coming uh, live um, actually this month. Um, so, uh, and we are also going to have expanding limits. Um, and I mean, mostly notification, I think first, uh, that's the first step to make sure that you are warned um, if anything comes up um, and we'll definitely dive into uh, also uh, limits because key question is what does happen when uh, you hit the limits? Do you want it to uh, stop your infrastructure or what should happen? That's actually, John, you probably had both uh, already happened to you. It depends on your SLO, I think. Right? If you yeah. provide a service to someone else and you're contractually obligated for it to stay up, then you want the spending limit to alert you but not take it down. But yeah. for a personal yeah. website or a personal project or things where the SLA is not so critical, Maybe you want it down. Maybe you want to put it. I don't know how common it is for you, Jonathan, but when a client pays like 90 days after the job is done. Oh, yeah. So maybe you can put a spending limit that if they don't play the cloud bill after 91 days, then it switches. <laughs> but that, that's I, maybe I solve a that bit problem by pre-billing for everything. <laughs> um, cool. One other thing I wanted to ask before we uh, rush to close is you talked a lot about projects you use. Koyab, right? You mentioned Envoy, Kuma, um, uh, Firecracker, Micro VMs, 
And obviously, you use a lot of Go in the backend with some libraries and whatever. Uh, a lot of it is free and open source software. Does your team contribute back to any interesting uh, Go libraries or maybe engage in discussions, uh, proposals, whatever, anything like that? Yeah, so we're so if we go into what we are using, we are actually using also a lot of gRPC. Behind the scene, we have microservices uh, built with um, gRPC for the internal communication. And we're actually, I mean, the reason, the interest for us to be in Go and all these projects are actually, I mean, a bunch of these projects are in Go. So Nomad is in Go, Kuma is in Go, uh, Container D is in Go. Um, and so one of the advantages is that we can contribute back. So for instance, we have, uh, uh, we are making a lot of patches to Kuma, uh, because yeah, we have, we are hitting scaling limits, um, with our setup as a cloud service provider. So we're trying to contribute back. And we also have a small open source project, which is like one where everyone is, uh, which everyone is using internally, which is called, um, K Reconciler, um, which is about like, uh, having building like reconcilers with a control loop uh, pattern um, to converge all states internally. So it's available on GitHub, and uh, but we are not like advertising it much yet. But uh, it's a uh, it's uh, heavily used internally for everything. So one other thing I want to ask you, Jan, you're the CEO, right, and a co-founder. That's correct. Do you still write code? No, 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 to be honest, uh, that's a tough one because so, I mean, I, I'm struggling to find time to, uh, to do it. So if I write code every once a quarter, I'm happy. Um, and every time I'm able to actually, what I do the most is write technical posts, um, actually, um, or build, try to build on top of the platform too. Um, and I actually, Love doing that because I have a software engineering background um, and system engineering background and networking background. But uh, in practice, like uh, yeah, it gets get worse over time uh, in terms of time you have to you have available to spend on it. And that's a that's a tough trade off that I think a lot of our uh, listeners are are dealing with. Right, some of them are um, staff engineers, some of them are team leaders or group leaders or trying to start a startup. Um, and they're maybe the, listening to this is their like escapist way of thinking about coding a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it's I, I need to be up to date uh, because I mean technologies are moving uh, all the time, and um, yeah, I mean you need you deploy applications on the platform, so um, it's not like uh, our users are, are non technical users. Um, so I really need to understand how things are working. Um, and what is the state of the art, I would say. Um, but um, yeah, it's more uh, about looking at the architecture more than uh, writing purely code, I would say, most of the time. But I still enjoy opening my terminal and, uh, uh, and writing stuff when I can. Well, luckily, you know a good show to stay uh, up to date, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great. What's the best way to get started uh, with Koyab? Where do people go to, to start this process? Yeah, I mean, to, so to get started with Koyab, you just go to koyab.com um, and you click the sign up button and it's going to be uh, pretty seamless. Well, we're, uh, and if you need any help, we're, we're there behind the scene. We have um, a community platform and a Slack platform too, actually, where uh, you can reach out to the team um, if you have any specific questions. Um, we're a small team, but we are still uh, super responsive. Um, so I think that's where you would start. Great. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, 
Um, what's the best way to reach uh, you directly? I'm active on Twitter and LinkedIn. So on Twitter, it's uh, Jan um, underscore EU. Uh, so yeah, that's how you can reach me. Great. We'll have those links in the show notes too. Well, thanks, Jan, for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and learn about Koyab. Uh, it's great to have you as a uh, in your company as a partner of the podcast too. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I'm super excited too about it. <laughs> so one last thing, Jan, before we let you go, we have the questions we ask all of our guests on the show. Uh, first one is, you're told that you have to remove a feature from Go. What would that feature be? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I need to figure out something. A <laughs> 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 uh, uh, feature to remove in Go, um, trying to go over, like, was a complaint I heard? Um, I don't know, actually. I mean, so to be honest, I don't hear so many complaints. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a true story but it's so it's not a feature about go it's we, i had a lot of complaints about like type conversion between like uh throughout we have a, a rest grpc gateway um where we are losing information kind of like uh of typing and where the error forwarding is not uh, as good as it should be so i think it's uh where i get the i have the most complaint which are Anyhow, related to to uh, to Golang um, in our stack, I would say in pure, yeah. So you would remove REST from the rest of the internet. <laughs> Just everybody use gRPC. Thinking about like uh, uh, using gRPC web to uh, because right now it's uh, we're using our REST APIs to communicate between our control panel and uh, um, our um, APIs. Um, so yeah, one of the things we are trying to uh, we are looking into is moving this to GRPC web so that we don't have like type conversion and protocol conversion. Yeah, time. I think I think that's a pain the the entire community feels because recently we covered a proposal exactly about like improving the HTTP semantics and and making you know if you just use the standard library net HTTP, uh, you can do a lot more REST ish stuff. So it feels like it's not uh, just something you and your team uh, is feeling. Yeah. Uh, and the flip side of that question, if you could look at any other language or perhaps a library that you'd like to introduce into the static library, what would you like to get into Go? So one of the uh, uh, feedback we got is actually uh, availability of higher level libraries. I think the sense that and the way even we use uh, GoLang is uh, um, it's pretty bare actually in a way. Uh, we don't use so many libraries, um, and we don't you don't have something which is as uh, ready to use as I don't know Rails in Ruby or uh, even Django. And we also have like we are also looking into more advanced um, um, libraries for distributed systems. Um, so we've been looking a bit at Temporal, for instance, but uh, um, it's a space where we see some possible improvements uh, in the future. Very good. I like these more sort of meta answers, not not focusing specifically on the core language features, but the more more the ecosystem. That's that's nice. Yeah, I think that's the sort of view you can get when you manage a team instead of yeah. uh, hacking away the terminal all day. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually have like people who are uh, huge advocates of coding. But uh, when I try to uh, ask um, about like, what you would you change to a bit like, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we're happy with it. Uh, so on the yeah. low level side of things. Um, yeah, we like it too. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Doesn't stop me from complaining every now and again, but I do like it. Uh, well, Jan, thanks a lot for coming on the show and telling us about Koyeb and about how you use Go in the generally within Koyeb. Uh, if people want to reach out, the the links are in the show notes. So be sure to bombard Jan with all the questions and set up services exactly until uh, $5 and upvote all the feature requests just to annoy him. But a bit more seriously, I've been using Koyeb. It works which is uh, a lot more than I can say for many of the SaaS services I'm using today. And it's snappy, so feel free to check it out. And thanks a lot for the inside, behind-the-scenes look. It was super interesting. Thank Thank you for having me. For sure, man. All right, Jan is off the call. Uh, I just want to mention for a CEO who wants to sell for his business, how many times he told us, I don't want to make this a salesy thing. I just want yeah. your audience to be interested. Such a cool guy. So actually, genuine. Yeah. T- actually thinking about our audience, not even his customers, and trying to right. worry about what they want. Yeah. Um, so that, I don't know. It was a super cool interview. Thanks a lot for, for coming on, Jan. You're really cool. Thanks a lot. Great, great guy. Great platform. Uh, and great, you're a great audience. Great accent, right? Yeah. Sophisticated. <laughs> I don't know if uh, whenever uh, people call, just today someone told me, "Oh, your English is great." And I don't know if I should like lean in more heavy on my American-ish mm. accent, mm-hmm. or you know, go full on Israeli accent. Don't worry about it. That'll be on our next uh, Slack poll. What accent should Shai use for the next episode? Yeah, I had a period in uh, when I worked with Americans where I tried to pull off a semi-British. Accent, and I even okay. use British English. I use Grammarly to fix my English to British English, <laughs> just because someone told me it, it looks sophisticated. All right. Anyway, thanks, Jan. You have a great accent <laughs> and a great platform. Um, and honestly, the shout out to your team as well, specifically uh, Alice Dayer. I hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, just for connecting, you know, she just found us mm-hmm. and made the connection, and you know, stayed on top of all of the emails and made all the bureaucracy work. So shout out to you as well, Alistair. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Until next week. Bye-bye, everyone.